Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. All right, Ramblers, let's get rambling. Let's talk seminars. Just a reminder that all seminars for 2021 will be in Wichita Falls. Next one up will be April 16th through the 18th, then June 11th through the 13th, and then August 13th through the 15th. For camps coming up, we have a coaching development camp at Starting Strength Houston on March 6th covering how to coach the power clean. And we have a squat camp on March 13th at Starting Strength Dallas. For squat and deadlifts camps, we have a few on the list. We'll be in Starting Strength Austin on March 28th and Moodus, Connecticut at Anino Strength and Conditioning on April 17th. And then at Starting Strength Houston on April 24th. Rob Santana and his nutrition extravaganza are coming to Starting Strength Houston on March 13th. And then we still have a multitude of meets that testify strength and conditioning in Omaha, including a USA weightlifting meet, some strongman action, and a strengthlifting meet, where we do in fact contest the squat. Starting Strength gyms are all open and operating where you can come in and work with a coach for less than 30 bucks a session. New cities popping up all the time. And of course, shout out to Ray Gillenwater of Starting Strength Gyms, who pulled me from a burning tank and saved my life during the Revolutionary War. To get a hold of that handsome man or to find out more information, head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday because what other fucking day would it be? You know, Friday's the best day of the week. Remember when you were little and Friday was your last day of school for two days and Friday was the coolest day of the week? I remember that and it still is. So that's why we have Starting Strength Radio on Friday. And those of you people that don't understand that, God help you. We're here with our friend Justin Nazarov. Justin's got a company uh, in Novi, Michigan called uh, Phoenix Ammunition. Phoenix Ammo. Is that, what's the actual name, Phoenix Ammo? You spell it all the way out or is it just? Yep, all the way out. Well, that's luxurious of you. You know. That's a lot of. It's like somebody that can, uh, almost like somebody that can afford another middle name. You ever known anybody with two middle names? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, what are their parents thinking? Parents are thinking, hey, we got the money. That's what they're thinking. So, Justin, uh, I wanted to talk to you today about several things of interest to lots and lots of people that watch the podcast here. Uh, But the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was this thing last night with this Rob Pincus boy who is associated with some second amendment organization. And what I, my, the first question I got for you is what the fuck were you thinking about talking to this guy? What? I mean, it's not like we don't have enough spineless weasels all over the place already, but we got to talk to spineless weasels that are second amendment advocates too. What? (laughs) What did you, did, did you not know? Oh, I, I knew for sure. I mean, to be honest, it, it was just a matter of it, it had to come to a head at some point. I mean, I, I met him at SHOT Show in 2020. Before that, I had never even heard of the guy. But he he can't seem to keep my name and the name of my company out of his mouth. He talks about us over on Instagram. Uh, we don't have the ability to respond. So Well, that's what I would do if I were he. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his, his, his whole thing is he, he believes that we have to be more inclusive in, in the gun community, which was because that works so well. Right. Before, and, before. and so his, his, his problem is he doesn't seem to understand the difference between, uh, diversity within the gun communities is, is great. I mean, you know, if we can expand beyond the typical, you know, white male that people think of, uh, that that's fine. 
what we don't need is diversity of the core values and principles. Right. And and that's what he can't seem to wrap his head around. He, he's after quantity, not quality. Right. And I'm after exactly the opposite. I want I want people who I know are going to not turn in their AR-15s if asked uh, politely by the government. And he seems to think that, well, we need those people and we hope that we can convince them later on. And you and I both know that that's very rarely. Justin, what do we need them for? <laughs> we don't. Oh, I mean, what the hell do we need people who would hand the government their guns like a fucking Australian? What good are people like that? You know, I, I'm not really sure. I, he, he, again, really the discussion came to be because I said, well, if you, if you're a gun owner and you voted for Joe Biden, I can understand if, if you have other reasons. I mean, actually, I really can't understand what other, no. other reason you would have voted I, for him for. But if you did, what that tells me is you have priorities that are over and an, over and above uh, defending your life yes. and your family. And that's just not what I'm interested in. Right. So you can go do business with somebody else. And he, he, he seemed to think that that's, uh, in his words, that's insidious to the community. <laughs> because we're, um, you know, shutting people out. We're acting as a... Insidious. I don't think he understands what insidious means, if he actually used that word. Uh, the, all right, it, it, it's obvious to me that these people are... If you voted for Joe Biden, uh, you should be automatically, and in fact, forcibly placed on testosterone replacement therapy because forcibly. you forcibly <laughs> injected with testosterone because something is seriously wrong with your ass that is probably fixable with some testosterone. Uh, but more important than that, he didn't seem to understand the basic deal here. All right. This is your company, right? And if you want to have a box on your website, that says that you do not sell ammunition to people who own purple shirts, then it's your company and you should be able to do that. And if that costs you a bunch of business, then there you go. The market paid you back for your, you know, for your, uh, uh, uh prejudice, so to speak. Uh, it's your business. It's no one else's business. And he claims to be a, a libertarian, he, this market libertarian, free market libertarian, this guy, over and over again. Yeah, I heard that. The, understand the, the fundamental concept. That goddamn guy's a politician. That's all there is to it. He's one of these people that that has he's established his little bread and butter position in the Second Amendment uh, organization, but he has learned over his vast years of experience, which, by the way, Justin, you simply do not possess. You do not possess the levels of experience and 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 intelligence uh, that our friend Rob Pincus uh, has earned the hard way, right? Yeah. Uh, but over that period of time, in acquiring all this depth of experience, he's also learned how to say shit that uh, without actually saying anything. Without actually saying anything. That's that's exactly right. He he's learned how to use words the way politicians use toilet paper. And this is common to all these people. They can't just say two plus two is always and irrevocably four because that would expose them to some kind of liability or, or I, hell, I don't know. I don't understand. I didn't hear the guy stake out a position at all last night except that we need to be nice to people that voted for Joe Biden. What a Biden voter voted for. He voted for the superficial pleasure of saying to the ballot box, I'm green. I feel, I don't think I feel, I feel positively about the planet. I feel positively about Joe Biden because Donald Trump said mean things to people. Donald Trump was mean. He was so mean. I'm just so glad he's not there anymore. And meanwhile, that 
level of analysis has people freezing to death in Texas. Now, uh, Mr. Pincus is hovering around that level of silliness, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know what. Uh, I, I wonder. I, I get the impression that he's fifty-five, something like that. You know, all his depth of experience has been acquired over years and years and years and years. And, uh, but at some point in this process, he's lost his uh, ability to understand that some shit is yes and some shit is no. Yeah, uh, you know, I, that's that's more or less what I what I said, and I forgot yeah. to use the analogy of, of Texas uh, in that discussion, which was exactly. Yeah, that's that's the problem that you're seeing for yourself. So when all these people in California and New York and Oregon and all these places that they've screwed up and they come to Texas, they end up diluting the sample, if you will. That's and so right. now you have Texas leaning purple when there's just no way that that should be the case. So no, all these people that move to Austin still hold the same values that they held in California and they're importing those politics. And mm -hmm. that's precisely the problem that we're seeing in the gun industry. If we allow people to dilute the sample and get to the point where, you know, CNN can go out and take a, a poll of gun owners and arrive at the conclusion that 80% of us support universal background checks. <laughs> we just know you're either lying, which wouldn't surprise me, or they're polling these people that, uh, Rob Pincus feels the need to reach out to the, uh, somebody that bought a gun during the pandemic, uh, maybe shot it, maybe didn't, has it in the original case under their bed. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they feel that the government can provide to them security again, they're going to be more than happy to turn that thing in. And what's more, they're also going to be willing, if asked, to say, yeah, you know, my neighbor owns five or six of these things and we used to talk about them. So, you know, when, when the time comes, for things to be turned in, uh, you have these people running around ratting out their neighbors, the people that they used to be friends with. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, there were two separate issues. I don't feel the need to do business with those people. Uh, and those people need to understand them. At, at very least, they need to understand the ramifications of what they've done. And if they still believe that that's the right way to go, then I definitely don't want to do business with them. And he just couldn't seem to wrap his head around the idea that this is not what the industry needs. No. I mean, over and above, uh, you're absolute right to do exactly what you want to with your own business. It, he doesn't seem to understand that just like all exercises, not all opinions are created equal. And, uh, you know, it, it is just so, yeah, we talked about this a little bit last time. Uh, dogma is what gets what this gets called. In other words, a two plus two equals four is dogmatic. Isn't that bizarre? Isn't it bizarre that this is. This is exactly, this is how we've, we have been so thoroughly penetrated by people who feel instead of think that that is an acceptable uh, reason for doing things now. You don't want to be dogmatic. Uh, I... You know, if, 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 if I hired an engineer to build a bridge for me, a multi-billion dollar bridge project, I'd rather that that engineer was dogmatic, right? So the fucking thing doesn't fall down and kill everybody's ass because that's happened before. Uh, but it's it's t there's a uh, 
I'm, I'm not even sure what to call it, but he, he seemed to have a real problem with uh, the idea that people can have a principle and that those principles are something that you carry forward through your life into your right. business. And they're inviolate. You know, they're absolute. They're absolute. There are a few principles that must be regarded as absolute. Like my freedom to not let Rob Pincus in my house. Because it's my house. It's my house. And people that I don't want in my house can't come in my house. Because it's my house, and I bought it, and I paid for it, and I paid the taxes on it, and it's mine. And that's not up for discussion. Some shit's not up for discussion. My ability to defend myself is not up for discussion. All right? And, yeah, is this spineless weasels don't seem to understand this. So, for you know, we've been assuming here for a few minutes that everybody saw this goddamn thing last night, and that's certainly not the case. It's far from the case. Uh, I think most of the people that are watching this are aware of the fact that because you've been on TV about this, about your your loyalty test, your check the box if you voted for Biden oath. So what precipitated this conversation between you and this guy last night? Yeah, so about four or five weeks ago, I had seen a gun store in New Hampshire that had a sign on the front of their shop that said, we don't want to do business with Joe Biden voters. And I thought that was funny. And since we don't do any in-person business here, everything is through our website, I thought, well, maybe there's a way I can incorporate that into the site. So we have a little checkbox you have to check in order to move through the checkout process. And originally I put that there when things were getting really busy, we were a little bit behind. And I I just wanted people to understand that there was a, a lead time associated with their orders. So I updated it to include uh, in the in the terms of service that I agree I did not vote for Joe Biden. And so that had been in place for several weeks. Uh, I didn't hear anything about it from anybody. I wasn't even sure if anyone noticed. Uh, then I got a phone call from a, a we, we did a big sale on a Thursday and mm-hmm. I got a phone call and a woman said, I want, you know, I'm, I'm Confused. I'm trying to check out, but it's asking me to check this box that says I didn't vote for Joe Biden, and, and I did. What do I do? And I said, well, um, we don't want your business. And she was. You, you should have said, well, you could lie. Depends on how bad you want the ammunition. Do you want, you want it bad enough to be a liar as well as an idiot? Yeah. Huh? So uh, and we, we actually had a. I mean, she hung up and then she called back a little bit later and, and we talked for about half an hour and I didn't change her mind. I tried to point her in the right direction. She seemed to be fine with everything that, that Biden's proposing. Uh, so I said, look, you know, you can you got to read his plan for yourself. And so then I thought to myself, uh, well, I should probably explain this. And so I made a Twitter post and told people about the checkbox and I explained our reasoning and our thought process and yes, we are serious. We feel this is very important. And it ended up getting shared around the internet, uh, by some big names. And, uh, I, you know, did an interview with Newsmax and got a little bit of publicity in that sense, but really what I wanted to do was raise awareness. And so I actually updated the site. Now we have uh, a gateway. So, you know, if you go to say uh, a website that sells alcohol or vape products, something like that, you'll, it'll pop up a window that, asks if you're over the age of 21. Right. So our site is very similar now, but it pops up a window that says, did you vote for Joe Biden? If you click no, it lets you proceed into the site. If you click yes, then it actually redirects you to joebiden.com forward slash gun safety. And the idea was, if you don't <laughs> know his plan, then now you can see it. And um, we've redirected more than 150,000 people in three days to his, I mean, we probably redirected more people to his site. Well, of course you did. Nobody reads Joe Biden's website. (laughs) What kind of idiot would do that? Even they don't do that. I thought, I thought legitimately thought to myself, well, some of these people are going to read this and, and just not care. 
Some people might have been a third-party voter or might not have voted at all, and they're going to click yes just for the hell of it to see what happens, and they're going to be able to see this for themselves. And hopefully we inform people and at least uh, make sure that they, you know, Rob Pincus's whole point seems to be that Biden voters are ignorant of his plan. Well, they voted, but they don't really understand what they voted for, even though they talked about it in every Democratic debate. Right. And, and that's okay with Mr. Pincus, right? It's okay if they're ignorant about it. Sell them ammunition anyway. God knows what else they're ignorant of. But it's okay for them to have... Oh, God. All right. So how did you get hooked up with this guy in terms of this thing last night? It, so we both have a mutual friend in common, Maj Ture at Black Guns Matter, uh, organization we support uh, pretty significantly. We mm-hmm. donate a lot of ammunition to his efforts. Uh, he teaches gun safety in uh, inner cities all across the country. Right. Uh, and, and he's done some work with Pincus. And so he, he said, you know what? Look, you guys have been having it out on Twitter. Um, why don't we just do this thing? Let's get you guys together and have a discussion. And you can make your points and you can make his points. And I said, that's fine. You know, I, if, if, it, if this puts it to bed and it gets him to stop uh, talking about us in a negative way, that's fine. Because... I, I have never once in my life woken up in the morning and thought, you know what? I really want to know what Rob Pincus thinks about my <laughs> To wake up every day uh, wondering what yeah. we're doing and having a problem with what we're doing and wanting to talk about it and trying to rally support and, you know, coming up with his hashtags. I mean, it, it's just, it's kind of sad, really. But it just, it, well, it's just spineless weasels are everywhere. Right. They, they really and, and I think that's really... You know, part of his issue is uh, he runs a Second Amendment organization that he's trying to build, uh, and he's got corporate sponsors. You know, he's sponsored by Springfield and some other big-name companies. I believe he's actually sponsored by Winchester. And so, you know, he's got a – let's say that back in the day when he was a young pup, he was a little, you know, rough around the edges, but his edges have been rounded off uh, very nicely. And unfortunately, that's what happens in the in the gun industry. If you want to get corporate sponsors, you want to get lined up with the big companies. Uh, you've got to you've got to have a pretty milk toast opinion. And it really seems to bother him that we, uh, fortunately, are in a position where we haven't had to do that. And I'm not trying to be Winchester or Remington or some right. company. I'm perfectly happy with the niche that we've carved and and the relationships that we've built. And uh, I. I, I think he just really has a problem with the idea that uh, we are making a name for ourselves and, and people are listening to what we have to say and less and less people seem to be listening to what he has to say. Uh, and well, but uh, if last night's uh, exchange was any indication, he doesn't have anything to say except can't we all just get along? You know, to quote the words of the famous Rodney King. This happens. This happens. In, hey, this happens in our world too. You know, these guys just, just, uh, just equivocate themselves into complete irrelevance, and they get mad when you've got a guy with a strong, you know, a guy or a company with a strong personality, strong principles, and uh, opinions that are backed up, and and then they. Uh, they just can't handle it. They fucking lose their minds. You know, it. it, it, it right. Because it's not good to say to mean say things. things or just to say things in general. To say things like to say in general things and say this is the way shit is. Right. And uh, if you don't, if you think I'm wrong, let's hear it. And then there's silence. And therefore, we're, you know, right. all right. But this is, this is the way it's been over here for, for quite some time. And uh, uh, it's just. Uh, I'd say it's actually very similar to the fitness industry in that way. I mean, obviously there are, uh, you know, CrossFit these programs that have made real big names for themselves, mm-hmm. but uh, unfortunately, as I think you would agree, have diluted the the the, the sport in a sense where they, they don't focus on the core principles, the things that. Uh, that, that you guys are focusing on. Right. And they seem to get really angry uh, at the niche that you've carved and at the idea that you don't want to take over the world. You're perfectly happy right. with 
uh, doing doing what you do and letting them do what they do and letting it all come out in the wash and, and allowing people to decide what works best for them. Well, we've always said that we're narrow casting. And uh, I haven't heard from anybody at CrossFit in a long time. I talked to Glassman a year and a half ago on the phone. He and I are still friendly. And uh, But in terms of CrossFit Inc., uh, you know, he, he made a real bad mistake last year when he apologized for what he'd said. You can't do that. You can't say something you believe and then – when shit hits the fan, say, "Oh well, I you know I shouldn't have said that." You, you, you just can't do that. And he fucked up and did that. And uh, you know, as a it, it took Rogue Fitness about fifteen minutes to throw his ass under the bus after he did that. And yes, we're you know, Rogue Fitness is dedicated to. Uh, Getting along with everyone, despite the fact that not everyone is worth getting along with. So, as a result, we're going to uh, cut all ties with uh, with Greg Glassman and CrossFit. And uh, okay, that's fine. That's the way you want to do it. Y'all go ahead. Uh, but you know, we don't use them anymore. And uh, it's uh, you know, it's just just shameful that. Uh, you know, in the in in uh, in this particular case, I mean, in this particular case, that really galls me because Rogue Fitness wouldn't even be in existence without CrossFit. They w- they would not exist. They literally would not exist. They're a great, big, successful company. They have excellent customer service, and uh, at one time they were our go-to deal. But my God, you can't behave that way. And once again. We are narrow casting. We don't expect everybody to appreciate what it is we're doing, and so are you. You are narrow casting as well. Now, by by narrow, and let me clarify what I mean by this. I would like very much if everybody on earth did squats, presses, bench presses, deadlifts, and power planes. Okay. But not everybody on earth is intelligent enough to understand why they should. And I also know that. All right. And as a result, we are talking accidentally. We're speaking to the broad market, but we're, we're being received by a very narrow slice of the market because of the nature of what we say you need to do. And you're in exactly the same position, right? And that's where I want to be. I'm assuming that's where you want to be too, right? Uh, right, and and we've never, you know, tried to claim otherwise. Back when we started the company, uh, after the first year when, you know, Trump got elected and the industry was starting to shift, uh, I took a look and I said, well, we need we need to find a niche. So we we went into competitive shooting and. Uh, people that take training classes, and those people are uh, narrow cast in the same uh, to the same degree. You know, they they're they have specific objectives that they're that they're looking to fulfill. They have a, a very particular mindset. I mean, I've been to hundreds of shooting competitions. I've talked to and shaken hands with tens of thousands of shooting uh, competitors, people that take training classes, and I mean, I would. I would estimate the number of people who voted for Joe Biden that I've met at those places to be as about as close to zero as you can can get. Mm-hmm. We talk politics there. It's not like I'm sure I'm, you know it's unavoidable. Yeah, I'm, I'm not it's not I'm like I'm making assumptions here, and so that's fine with us. Like I, I, we've never tried to be all things to all people. I'm not interested in teaming up with the NRA. I'm not interested in teaming up with um, you know. The, local gun clubs that we perceive to be teaching things that we wouldn't want to teach. So we select who we work with and, and we stay in our lane. And that I think really makes some people angry because it makes them feel like they don't have any leverage against you. you know, we don't have any sponsors. Mm-hmm. We don't have anybody that we're beholden to. That's a, that's a real good point, Justin, you know, yep, uh, sure the way people, uh, 
have leverage over you is they make you dependent on them. And it really pisses them off if you're not. You know, that really, really pisses everybody off. I mean, how does the federal government have leverage over all the states? Money. They give them money. If you don't do what we want you to do, we're going to take away your federal highway funds. And no state has the balls to say, take them away. We'll have dirt roads, but at least they'll be our dirt roads, you know. But they, 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 none of them behave that way. Uh, you know, places like Hillsdale College are few and far between, you know. and uh, They're one of the shining jewels in, in that market, and we're lucky to have them, them here. Right. I mean, we get asked on a regular basis to come do our seminar for government organizations or state-owned campuses, and we just don't work there. We work in private gyms, and that's all. We won't be at a college. We won't be at a, the last time we did a gig was for the San Antonio Fire Department. Last time we did a gig for a government organization. It was a giant pain in the ass, and we're not going to do it again. We don't need the money that bad, and that's the whole deal. If you don't need the money that bad, then they have no leverage over your ass. And when you have a box on your website that you make them check that essentially says, we don't need the money that bad, oh, it pisses them off. Because more than anything else, they want control of you. Yeah, and, you know, if we even started that process a few weeks ago before all this Biden stuff went down, um, same deal. The only governments that we worked with were local police departments and municipalities who fought mm -hmm. over, uh, you know, their police officer qualifications, which are mostly a joke anyway. And early on in our uh, company, that was, you know, good money. It was decent sized orders in one lump sum, but you had to wait 30 days for your money. It was always kind of a pain. And then, you know, come November of, of last year, we get uh, fined by our health department as a result of our local police department filing a report that we weren't wearing masks. And so I said, we're done. The cops that you sold ammo to, let me get to the cops that you sold ammo to, ratted you out to the health department for not wearing masks. Yep, that's exactly correct. <laughs> oh, God damn it. In, in, uh, in full disclosure, we hadn't worked with them in about two years, but we, we did work with them for uh, uh, two years prior to that. And, uh, you know, th these guys, these cops um, hang out in our parking lot sometimes. We go out and chat them up and, you know, they're pretty friendly for the most part. But, yeah, I, I just decided why I don't need the money at this point. And uh, I'll be damned if I'm going to support people that watch cities burn to the ground and do nothing. Right. And then right. have the golf come in my business and write a report that results in me getting fined. Um, you know, there's another company in the industry, Barrett Firearms, who doesn't sell their rifles in, uh, to law enforcement in California or New York because in those states, citizens aren't allowed to possess 50 caliber rifles. And so right. that, that's been the case for more than a decade, if I remember correctly. And so if I, you know, I, I've wouldn't pretend to say that I'm in the same category as uh, a company like Barrett, but it, it seemed to work out pretty well for them. Well, they don't seem to be suffering. Well, I think you are in the same category as Barrett. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're governed by your principles, not your need. So that, uh, that, that makes you in the same category. And I'm proud to be here with you. Right. So, uh, Justin, tell me. Let's let's talk about uh, a a subject that's on everybody's mind. I need to know what the hell is wrong with the ammunition industry right now. Why can we not get any any rounds? What in the hell? I went to Midway USA. Uh, hell, I've been checking them relatively regular uh, about once every two weeks i go over there and it's been up three or four months seems like since they've had 
anything in stock. I guess they get some stuff in stock, and about an hour later, it's gone, that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, and they're a big outfit. You know, I've bought stuff from them for years. Uh, but nobody has any any ammunition right now. What is that? Just give us a little lesson here as to where the bottleneck is. I mean, we've heard it's primers. I haven't heard it's brass. I've heard powder. I've heard, I don't know. What is going on? Are they buying it as fast as you can make it? And there's nothing wrong with the supply. It's just demand is up so high. What's the analysis here? Yeah, it's a multi-factor problem. I mean, the the demand right now is at an outrageous level. I mean, last week we we had we put up three hundred thousand rounds of nine millimeter for sale, and it was gone in less than five minutes. I mean, it, <laughs> it would have taken us a month. Point three million rounds was gone in five minutes. If we would have had a million rounds, it would have been gone in ten minutes, maybe less, <laughs> because people would have just have bought more. Uh, right. So. The real issue is demand is for sure through the roof, but the the, the choke point is is primers, and so the the reason that the choke point is almost always primers in these situations is because primers are difficult to make; they're very small. Uh, they have to be assembled precisely. Uh, the explosive compound in the primer has to be mixed on site, so it's very complicated and. You know, when they design these plans, they design them like any other uh, high, high volume, low profit margin manufacturing. They're trying to run at 80 to 90 percent all the time, regardless of, of demand. And so when demand gets uh, spikes as, as much as it has been, it takes them a long time. They're not going to go buy 15 million dollars worth of equipment right. only to install all that equipment and a year later, the demand drops off, and right. that, that's basically what happened to the industry in 2016. Everybody, or 2017, everybody was so sure Hillary was going to win. They were investing a ton of money into ramping up production, and then that didn't happen. Right. And so they had this huge glut of supply. They were holding on to notes that they couldn't pay. Uh, you know, you had a lot of bankruptcies within the, the industry, so people are even more leery now to get involved with ramping up production. So. The, the problem with primers is that they're all made by only four. There's only four companies in the United States uh, that really make primers. And all those companies make their own ammunition. They're vertically integrated. That's why they make primers. So they're happy to sell people like us primers when things are slow. But when things are busy, they just don't have the time. And it right. takes a long time for a small company like us to figure out that aspect of the supply chain. We are trying to import them from uh, some companies overseas, but having never done those permits before, uh, it's a time-consuming process. You have to have a lot of uh, cash on hand and you have to be willing to fork that cash over and wait 60 to 90 days to get your product. So it's very similar to what's happening in the weightlifting industry with plates and bars, except it's much harder to build primers than it is to get the raw steel that you need. to, to make plate and and barbells and plates aren't regulated by the ATF. Uh, so we can't get primers from China. It's illegal. Right. We, you know, we can't import from countries that uh, don't abide by uh, you know, ITAR regulations that we have to follow. So if if uh, if you had access to primers, then you could be running. Uh, you could ramp up your capacity, right? Yeah, yeah. Capacity is not a problem. Uh, with our equipment, we can make uh, reasonably about 125 to 150,000 rounds a day. We can't quality inspect it quite that quickly, but we're working on an automated solution right now to right. do that. We'll have a big piece of equipment to, to speed that up. So, I mean, when, when we when we did have primers in, in March and April and demand was as unlimited as it was now, we were working seven days a week. Uh, it was no big deal. And then when the primers started to slow down, we, we had to start to cut back and try to decide, okay, how are we, we going to manage this process? We can't just take pre-orders or back orders and assume that we're going to get the primers because we just don't really know. So uh, for a while, brass was tougher to get. Um, a lot of what we do is remanufacture brass. And so 
when all the gun ranges were closed and the military wasn't training, that, that dried up the supply of raw grass. Uh, that's become better, although right now, because of the prices on ammo, very few people are actually shooting. Uh, most people are, are hoarding it and storing it. Well, you can't. There isn't a lot of raw grass. Right, you can't. You can't. You can't shoot. Yeah, you're 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 shooting a you know sixty cents every time you pull the trigger, and so what was already a rather expensive sport is becoming almost unobtainable for the average person, and that really sucks more than anything. I mean, obviously, we we love the idea that there's a huge amount of demand. We don't have to do a lot of marketing. Uh, you know, we're, it, it's a it's a seller's market. But to be honest, I would much rather see our ammo going into the hands of a competitive shooter who is training and uh, keeping their skills fresh, doing something fun, then I would see that ammo sit in somebody's basement for 20 years, never get used, right. and uh, just kind of be there. Uh, you know, it's again, it, it's like uh, it, if you if you see somebody that buys a bunch of weightlifting equipment and they use it as a coat rack, I mean, sure, you're happy you made the sale, but... Yeah, that's not why we made it, though. And it's it's the same. You know, I'm. And, and here's the other deal. It may be 60 cents a round, where it used to be 15. But you're not sure whether you can replace it or not. You know, and you don't know whether you're going to be able to replace that box that you took to the range. You have no idea. So what you do is you don't shoot. Because you don't have the option. If, in fact, you think you might need it for something later you're not going to shoot it today and you know this is not uh this is not good i mean we all do this for fun you know in addition to the preparedness aspect of the thing but uh so let me let me back up and i want to dive into this this thing a little bit deeper you had said and i've heard this from other people that that we're not going to tool up to make, uh, to, to satisfy an increased demand when the possibility of the demand dropping precipitously would leave us hanging with a bunch of debt and a bunch of, of, of debt leveraged against us. Uh, th this is, uh, th I guess this is the case in any volatile market, you know, I mean, the oil and gas industry for many years was in the same the same situation. The oil and gas industry is famous for ups and downs and bankrupting people and putting people out of work and and people going to school for years and years to to learn learn the the trade, learn the science, learn all about the engineering and everything, and then suddenly oil drops down to glut level prices and and nobody can get a job. I mean, it happened to me a long time ago. It's happened several times since then. And any volatile market is going to create uh, is going to create problems. I mean, when it's hot, that's where you make a lot of money. But if you tool up, anticipating that it's always going to be hot, typically you get kicked in the balls because it doesn't work that way. And I would imagine the, the primer manufacturers are in the in the same thing. They don't want to tool up to make more primers. I'm sure, I mean, if you've ever seen a little primer, they're little bitty things. Those are the little round things that go in the in the uh, ass end of the round. And uh, when they react to a firing pin punching a hole in them, they spark the rest of the powder. It flares off and creates pressure behind the round and shoots the bullet down the down the barrel of the gun. The primer does that. It's a little bitty thing, very precision piece of equipment. And who makes primers? Olin, I know, is one of the one of the companies. Is that right? And Olin is the parent company of Winchester. So basically right. you have Winchester, Remington, and then CCI and Federal are both owned by Orbital ATK, which is a, a you know, big multinational company that makes uh, everything from small ammunition to, you know, 40 millimeter cannon rounds and mm -hmm. missiles, things much larger than that. Yeah, the issue is it not only is it a small and, and precise part, but anytime 
anytime you're asked to make a billion of something a month, uh, that becomes a logistical nightmare. And yes. the, the problem is it has to be highly automated. You, there's just no way that it can. No, you can't have humans involved in that at all. And automation is not cheap. Uh, so, you know, these companies have to make a decision on whether they're going to spend tens of millions of dollars. And also, these plants are located in, in areas that uh, are kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And so even if they build uh, a big addition to their plant, they have to now hire a uh, hundred or so people, skilled employees in small towns, Black Hill, you know, can they find a hundred skilled employees in Black Hills, South Dakota on a moment's notice? Probably not. No, so no. It's, it's a long tail problem. And unfortunately, because of the, because of the nature of the, the firearms industry is inherently political, just like oil and gas, you know, it, it, it rises and falls based on regulation or public perception, perception that, right? Public perception or the perception that regulation is on the way overseas right. wars, etc. So uh, you're talking about a four to six year plan for some of these companies, but the, the, uh, ebb and flow is maybe on a two-year cycle because political elections happen every two years. And so it's very tough for them to have a plan uh, that will fit into that cycle that, that meets up just right. I do know that there is a primer plant that's about ready to be producing primers, uh, a new company, and that's all they're going to do is make primers for the retail market. So that's good. Uh, that will help out. Uh, powder will be the other problem. If we're starting to see some scarcity with powder. Uh, again, all that stuff is made by basically General Dynamics and DuPont. So you have two big companies that control that whole market. Um, you know, Hodgdon powder, for example, is a General Dynamics product. Uh, it's labeled as Hodgdon when it gets to Hodgdon. But when we get it, it's labeled as uh, General dynamics. So the industry right. is much smaller than it, than it appears. There are a lot of brand names, but there are very few raw material producers. Right. Uh, there been this, there's been some discussion, and I specifically wanted to ask you about this, of uh, some of this problem being introduced by the government buying up a bunch of rounds. Is there any truth to that? Uh, it's hard to say. I Truthfully, I don't have all that many connections in, in those types of, of areas, but I mean, it, it does happen. Uh, uh, Homeland Security bought uh, several billion rounds back in 2016, and that definitely exacerbated uh, shortages that were happening back then. I believe there was similar things happening, you know, and, and they... Homeland Security. We, yeah, we, we need to buy uh, all this. And actually, in 2016, I believe it was the IRS that was buying uh, some odd millions of rounds of ammunition, which is pretty... Right. So they, because they kill so many people a year in their audits. <laughs> yeah, for not paying God that. Damn. Uh, is <clears throat> FEMA, has FEMA been buying a bunch of rounds? Not that I'm aware of, but, uh, you know, <laughs> probably... Why does the Department of Homeland Security need billions of rounds? Is that is this training? Well, it, it not based on what I can see in the training classes I've attended, where uh, we have <laughs> police officers and government employees in the class. Uh, they, they, they're doing a whole lot more than they are, but yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's going to get my that's going to get my dog shot and my house raided. So could be. Good beat. You better put a vest on your dog, huh? Uh, That's right, yeah. <laughs> you guys ought to start manufacturing those. Those would sell. Uh, That's a whole other issue. You know, the um, uh, like, for example, AR-500 and AR-550 steel, which is what some armor is made out of, that steel is only made in a couple of steel mills across the world. So mm -hmm. they have the same problem. Um, they, they, they run into big shortages and the Kevlar manufacturer, all, all the all the body armor is basically made by two or three different companies and then relabel and resell uh, armor from a company called Spartan Armor Products, but uh, it's actually manufactured by somebody else with, with you know a different label on it. So there's a lot of consolidation in that part of the industry too. I heard from a friend of mine today. 
car manufacturer. Uh, he uh, talked to his steel supplier, and he wanted about hundred sheets of hundred sheets of steel. He uses for uh, sheet metal on these bodies, and they said, "No, nah, I can't do that. We're gonna sell you 20. And uh, uh, people don't understand how deeply disrupted every supply chain in the country, probably in the world, is as a result of this insanity we've been dealing with for the past year. People don't understand way down. Uh, they go in the grocery store and they see an absence of soup. They do. I mean, you go to the grocery store and there's not any soup. Well, what does that do? You know, what is what is the fact that everybody's buying all the soup do? Well, we've just had a discussion about this. And you can apply that analysis to the whole goddamn economy. At some level, these abnormal... Uh, perverse incentives that we have been exposed to recently have disrupted the economy in ways that I can't understand it. You know, I mean, it's there's most people can't understand this. Why I need a can of chicken broth and I go to the store and there isn't any fucking chicken broth. Part of it is you mentioned perverse incentives. Uh, unfortunately, you know, with a lot of this coronavirus relief. It's actually made things worse. They they think it's um, you know supporting these companies, but when you're paying people to stay home and uh, you know uh, giving giving companies free money, I mean here in Oakland County, oh, just... they uh, our, our county got several million dollars worth of coronavirus relief, and they thought the best way to spend that money was to buy a bunch of twenty five thousand dollars three D printers and give them away to companies uh, as part of a grant program. So that in the next pandemic, we can use these 3D printers to print personal protective equipment. Masks. <laughs> now that. Something is, like $12 million. <clears throat> that is some convoluted shit. Right? Now, on the other hand, this is real simple. I go to, I, we have a little fried chicken chain down here in the southern United States that inhabits, you know, gas stations all over the place. Chester's Fried Chicken. Well, I like it. I think it's real damn good fried chicken. So I go over to the, they have a store over on 287 on my way into town. I stop in there. Third time I've stopped in there and the damn thing is closed. And so I asked the girl at the, at the front counter, I said, are you guys out of business over here with the chicken stand? And she says, we can't get anybody to work. Do you know anybody that wants a job? We need to have the chicken up, but we can't find anybody to make the chicken. Because the government is paying them to stay home. It, you know, this is, uh, history is going to look back on this year as possibly the most fucked up thing that's ever occurred on the surface of the earth. You know, I, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, I kind of think, uh, that bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki was not quite that big a deal compared to bombing the economy of the world, the whole economy of the whole world. There's a little isolated incidents like that just are dwarfed by this game that people are playing Amazon Walmart do it pretty well Amazon Walmart love it oh god yeah hell Walmart doesn't even have to stay open 24 hours a day anymore you know they don't have to keep everything in stock you order stuff from them and they substitute for you when they don't have something on your order <laughs> Amazon I mean if, if you don't want to go in a in a big giant building full of people wearing these things on their faces that say, I do as I'm told, 
then you have to order shit from Amazon, whether you want to or not. That's where books are sold. That's where everything is sold. You, what choice do you have? You know? So this is a big, giant perturbation. Yeah, it's worked out real well for them. And uh, it, it doesn't seem to bother people, uh, especially on the, on the political left, uh, as much as, I, you know, I think, unfortunately, this is, this is a real good preview for uh, a future where, you know, honestly, people have been afraid to tell the government no for a long time. I think you know, mm-hmm. we all know that. But we're getting to the point where, uh, the government doesn't even have to tell you what to do. They're letting private companies tell you what to do, and that absolves them and, of, uh, yeah. of, of having to use force and violence to, to enforce what they want you to do. And you've just demonstrated that you'll do it. You just told them, yeah, all right, I'll wear this ridiculous mask. Doesn't do a goddamn thing. But it is a handy indicator that I would do as I'm told. You know? And... You know, I mean, here we are, here we are sitting in Texas, you know, it was eight below zero here last night and everybody's pipes are frozen. Everybody's house is, is colder than they want it to be. People are freezing to death and they're still wearing their masks. <laughs> oh my God. What are you people? I, I, this is just more than I can process most of the time. It really is. It's just I can't, I can't run this shit through my head and have it come out in an ordered way on the other side. I just can't, I just can't do it. I, I, I got two great things for you. So first, uh, my, my wife's a, a professor, professor at Michigan State University, and she has to go back in to teach lab classes. Uh, she teaches gross anatomy, among other things. And in the lab, uh, they are requiring to them to uh, wear not just one mask, but two masks and a face shield. Well, yeah, <laughs> because someone might get sick. Someone, Justin, someone might get sick. And we can't have that. Because when people get sick, they feel bad. But I, I've actually... Uh, this is even better. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to handle this, but uh, in Ann Arbor, which is uh, about the equivalent to Austin, uh, they are still doing completely virtual learning in their schools, right? So the kids are the kids are at home. And uh, I saw a report this morning that said they declared a snow day today because they want at home. <laughs> yes, they, they they declared a snow day because it was the the superintendent said it was a, it, we, we all remember snow days and those are a great part of our childhood and we, we need to keep that tradition uh, going keep the tradition of snow days going when you don't have to go in the snow yeah for kids sitting at home on a computer yeah they have a snow day <laughs> well you know that's i i don't know i don't know what you say except that you know, they're probably better off at home. If you got if you got the choice of having a teachers union interact with your child or you interact with your child, I know what I'm gonna do, even though I don't have any children. My theoretical children. <laughs> I don't want my kids around these fucking people. <laughs> Do you? I mean, God. No, you you can't have it. Well. uh, They're going to be in for a rude awakening pretty soon. Oh, in fact. I I think they've they've made some bets, and I don't think it's going to pay off for for them in the long run because people are looking at charter schools and private schools. Yes. Home schools. People are looking at their own living room, and they're saying, Looks good. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> right. You know, I can put a chalkboard up if I think I need to. You know, I sit on the couch. Yeah. You know, if if the little bastard smart off to me, I can actually spank him. 
maybe that'll be a, a new market segment for starting strength. You guys can be the uh, uh, the, the new gym teacher for all these homeschooled kids. Right. Write that down. No, no. <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun at write all. Write that down. <laughs> write, write it on that board. Right? What a terrible idea. <laughs> you don't think that's a good idea. No. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right. Anything else you want to talk about, Ripping Justine? <laughs> what? Rip in every living rip room. Every <laughs> you get that, that flat rip thing that Paul Horn made. It'd be like they roll bring, the TV. We just sell that. And, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. <laughs> Think of the power rack sales. We need to get a bigger percentage. Of... I, I got to thank... Uh, I got to thank Grant. We're uh, we're getting a rack and some equipment here at the shop, so our guys can lift here because the gym that we used to have them lift at is, is still closed. Right. So we're uh, we're setting up shop here and we're gonna get these guys back on the program. Well, that's good. Uh, his plates are the best probably I've ever seen. His rack is a piece of junk. <laughs> you you want to buy that rack from? Texas strength systems because his rack is it's lighter and easier to move around, but it's a piece of junk. It's just, you know, it, it was designed for Californians. If that tells you anything. Yeah, right. That's true. true. So, well, all right, Nick, did we miss anything? Uh, no, no. We discussed good. it all. Yeah. Pissed a bunch of people off. Good. Which is, uh, you we'll know, just, I mean, if we hadn't pissed anybody off at the end of one of these things, what are we doing? What the hell are we doing here? We're just going to... Rob Pincus? We're just going to retreat we're, we're to our... We're acting like Rob Pincus? We'll just retreat to our respective echo chambers. <laughs> right. Echo chambers. <laughs> you know, I'm sick of having to learn vocabulary words. <laughs> echo chambers. What is an echo chamber? <laughs> That's where... This right here is an echo chamber. This, this is, is an, an echo, echo chamber. chamber. We all think similarly. Oh, where you think so, so I'm echoing, yeah, yeah. and so you're, can, and we're all echoing right. back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. All right, what does gaslighting mean? I get so tired of hearing that fucking shit. Every third word on every newscast is gaslighting, and I don't have the slightest idea what the fuck it means. Gaslighting is basically when uh, you're the one in the wrong, but you you convince the other person that that they're in the wrong. Uh, oh, you're we in the know media about that, don't we? So you're in the media, right? Yeah, you're in the media, precisely. Right. <laughs> well, where did that term come from? Uh, it's in a movie. I can't remember the name of the movie, uh, but it, in the movie, the, the main character is an abusive husband of some sort, and he, and he keeps turning down the gas light in their house, you know, the gas lantern, and the wife uh, keeps asking if the room is darker, and he keeps telling her, no, no, you're crazy. The room's not darker. It's all in your head. Right. So that's that's where it, it came from. But honestly, the only people I ever hear use that are people on the political left. Right. They seem to be the ones that are the best at it. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, you're just gaslighting, and I'm supposed to know what the fuck, you know. And if I don't know, I'm stupid. You're on culture. Right. I'm a I'm an oaf. It's from the 1938 yes. stage play called Gaslight. Well. That's, that's there you have it. Just invented by somebody. <clears throat> that reminds me of the Star Trek episode where Picard is captured by the Cardassians. You remember that? Oh, and the three lights. <clears throat> the three lights. Yeah, yeah. How many lights are there? There's three lights. No, Captain Picard, there are four lights. You will come to understand Great this. Episode. Yeah, two part episode. Yeah, great. Uh, that's. Stewart is just, that's, that's, I, I really miss that. Yeah. It was some great work. That's, that's he, basically he's... the last scene in uh, 1984. Same kind of deal. Same kind of deal. If you haven't seen that episode of Star Trek, you ought to break down and watch it. Even if you're not a fan, this is just, to watch Stewart do this, it's, he was good. He was really good. Yeah. So, anybody else have anything? Bree, you have anything you want to say? Let me guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nick, you want to? I'm good. All good. Rust-oleum, what are you? You're uh, fine. Bree, I got to get you to um, 
I don't know. It's um, my. I gotta get you to help my wife figure out her bench press. So. Bree, uh, no. What Bree's gonna say? If you ask Bree to do that, Bree's gonna say, "I'm good," because that's all she. That's all she knows how to say. I'm good. Rusty, on the other hand, will help your wife. I think I have a few times on the internet. Have you really? Did Justin know that? Actually, has that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Justin knew that or not? I don't know. Yeah, I swept between Justin and his wife, man. whatever hey, Justin, whatever she told him. Justin's got more ammo than Rusty, I guarantee well, that's certainly true. That's true. <laughs> the guy that owns the, the uh, ordinance company is the one that you uh, want to slide into his wife's DMs. Right. <laughs> I, I take uh, videos, and she, she posts them up, and yeah, Rusty's been great. Yeah, Rusty's great. We love Rusty. He's just the best. He's the best. He's the cat's meow. <laughs> Rusty's the cat's meow. Okay. All right, let's get out of here before we embarrass ourselves any further. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate you being with us again. We'll talk soon. And thank you guys for being with us on Starting Strength Radio next week. Bye now.